What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry of the Cats Paws. Derek, it's the last episode until we actually have a football game to break down. It is. We are uh, almost here. I mean, it's 24 hours from now, Sean, there will be football being played in the time that we're recording this. Uh, probably be about hmm, midway through the second quarter. What do you think? Yeah, should be. One thirty. Um, yeah. Maybe half time if it's fast well, game. But no, I uh I know you're probably excited to be hitting the road, I'm sure, right after we get done with this, right? So Yeah, as soon as I get out of here and I do have one small victory to report I can fit into my professional attire that I wear to games. That's a small quarantine miracle in itself. After the last seven months, I was kinda concerned when I went to go through my my clothes and stuff this morning. I'm like, this could be a disaster. I might have to show up in athletic shorts and a t-shirt, but we're good, Derek. Uh, you know what else is good though? Before we get started, that Buffalo chicken sandwich at the butcher's pub that I tweeted oh out God. yesterday was the most delicious. You know, I've been telling you that the zombie wings was my thing. The only way that those are still my thing is if I can put the zombie sauce on the Buffalo chicken sandwich. And I'm going to ask if that's an option. And I think that we can do that. I think he had a converter, and uh, my brother, uh, shout out to him, he uh, he says he's been wanting to try those zombie wings because he keeps hearing you plug them. So I think he's going <laughs> to head down I-75 and uh, go check out those zombie wings, maybe on a Wednesday, have a $2 draft and or a domestic and go from there. That, that sandwich, though, it got so much attention yesterday that he texted me and he said, I don't know what you've said, but there are a lot of people, and I didn't realize this, there's a lot of people that follow me that go to the pub in Williamsburg. And then, like, I had quote tweets on that that was like, yeah, this sandwich doesn't fool around. Like, this is the real deal. And, <laughs> and I mean, it was it was so – I'll tell you this. I'm not, I'm not lying. I'm not just saying this because they're our sponsor. I went there for lunch yesterday after we recorded, and then yesterday for dinner I went and got takeout, and I got the same sandwich. So I ate it <laughs> twice yesterday, and surprisingly it was – it matched. They were right there on the same level. Uh, but there's two locations. There's one in Pondville, Kentucky, one in Winsburg, Kentucky. Had five people ask me where that place is located last night. Those are where you can find awesome. the pub. There's going to build. They're going to build a new one though in London, Kentucky. So there's going to be a third one coming pretty soon. This is going to be a business that expands around Eastern Kentucky. Might even dip into Central Kentucky. He's talked about that as well. So shout out to the Butcher's Pub. You can check out their website, thebutcherspub.com, or on Facebook. Uh, but, Derek, before we get into Kentucky-Auburn, I uh, should let the listeners know the first probably five minutes or so of the show, we're going to be talking about U.K. basketball just because that's the fresh news this morning and it needs to be addressed. Uh, the, the SEC did come out with the starting date for league conference games. Uh, that was – is it the 29th? Is that my – am I getting that right? 
Yes, I believe that is right. I know the yeah. uh, men's and women start around the same time. Yeah, the SEC announces men's basketball conference play will begin December 29th, 30th. There will be 18 conference games on the schedule. Women's will begin December 31st with 16 conference games on the schedule. So, Derek, uh, John Calipari did confirm yesterday on ESPN's The Jump that Kentucky and Kansas will play on December 1st in the Champions Classic in the Orlando bubble, but Kentucky will open the season with a pod of their own in Lexington, and that's where I think we get those reports uh, that Hartford, Detroit, and Richmond will be who they'll play first before they go to Orlando. I wonder why they're playing Detroit, Sean. Could there be any connection there? Uh, yeah, there is. Uh, of course, Brad Calipari is <laughs> finishing up his eligibility there, and I believe Cal's pretty good buddies with Mike Davis, who's uh, the head coach of Detroit. But I'll be curious, mostly, well, I'm happy that uh, – so they're only going to be playing Kansas. That's the only game they'll play in that bubble? That's the, that's the only game they'll play in that bubble. And then he did say that they're going to uh, – those contracts with Notre Dame and Georgia Tech, they're going to honor those. So the hoops giving – Classic. It was originally scheduled for November 27th in Atlanta, and they actually tweeted out last week that that was confirmed. But then, when uh, I think it was it Matt Norlander is was his report. I think it was his report that reported the Lexington pod first. I reached out uh, to the Hoops Giving Classic tournament there and I asked them, "Will this date change?" And they said, "Yeah, off record, it will." So it it was moved. I think somewhere around mid December they're looking at that one. Uh, so it sounds like Kentucky will have some non-conference games before they get into what will be a grueling SEC schedule this year. Tennessee's going to be really good. Uh, a lot of teams are going to be improved. But it is good that they're getting to play some games, and I think it's big too, Derek, that they're getting to play those three teams, which Richmond's a solid program, and some of those before they have to play a program like Kansas December 1st. Yeah, I agree with that. Also, we talked about this a little bit before when we were discussing basketball, but not going to be many opportunities outside of your own conference to kind of determine seeding, I guess, for the NCAA tournament. That's going to be a really interesting thing. And two, how many of these games they can play? I mean, uh, in conference play, obviously they've built a full slate. They still plan to play the 18. I hope that they're able to. But uh, at the same time, with the way this virus has been, it's, it's kind of hard to project maybe how things will look in January or, or February. But either way, Sean, I think bad news, at least locally, has taken a backseat to some coaching drama. It has. And uh, so what you're uh, alluding to is Chris Mack. I think it was Wednesday, Derek, when he made the comments. Uh, trying to think. Uh, yes, Wednesday. It was with John Fanta on the Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams podcast. And the question was presented to Chris Mack about – what are the possibilities or chances that Kentucky-Louisville play during the 2020-21 season? And Mac had a lot to say. Uh, he mentioned, I guess, in a way, I wouldn't necessarily, I don't want to say whining, but in a sense it was kind of, he he, sought it, he thought it was unfair that Kentucky would come to Louisville this year where there's probably virtually no fans. And, I, I mean, who's to say there's even fans a year from now? But, if there's no fans for Kentucky playing at Louisville, but then Louisville returns in 2021 and has to play Kentucky in front of 21,000 people at Rupp Arena. He was just saying, like, where's that, you know, where's the fairness in that? I think he even mentioned where is the equity of Kentucky coming here in front of no fans and then them returning. I um, I tweeted this, and uh, I had some other thoughts, but mainly my, my thought was, like, I, I think that's like Chris Mack projecting 
basically, I mean, I'm not going to say for sure, although I did talk to one Louisville person who really did feel like he's trying to wiggle his way out of the series. I, I don't know if I would go that far, although Cal's comment uh, at the end of it, basically, I don't know if I'm saying called Louisville out or what, but he, he said he hopes that Louisville doesn't want to end the series. I might be paraphrasing that. You might have his exact quote. But, uh, no, my thing is, like, there's no way to say right now, you can probably say, yeah, like if they play at Louisville, it's probably going to be either no fans or very few fans. But at this point in time, I don't think you can look to next year and say for sure that UK is going to have a full arena. Uh, no. I mean, you can't say that at this point. You can't. And at the same time, too, let's just go ahead and get this out there. If Chris Mack does try to decide to end this rivalry over something, he's – it's of course, Kentucky fans are going to be upset. But this isn't going to be accepted very well by the Louisville fan base if for some reason they don't play. Even in a year like this where there's no fans, if for some reason he doesn't want to play that game, I don't think that's going to be ex- accepted very well among the city of Louisville. I can't imagine – and I'm not trying to be mean. I cannot imagine he's like that dumb, though, to think that you no. could – He's. I, I mean, one, he's not going to have that kind of – it's not going to fly. I, I couldn't imagine that serious. One, in the interview with the Fanta guy, he went ahead and said it was the best rivalry, in his opinion, in college basketball. But then you don't – I mean, I, I, I do get it, like, on Louisville's end, to some extent. Do you think, though, um, that he said that, that he realized what he had said previously, you know, where he was coming out sort of – he was essentially complaining about it. Do you think that that – because that was after he said those other comments. It might have been like, let's reel this back in here, because maybe he realized what he said. Maybe. I will say this, and it's from talking to some people. I'm not sure how well-liked Chris Mack is, even within his own fan base. At this point, I mean, maybe early on in his tenure, but he's, I'm not going to get into all of it. I'll just say there's been things off the court, not nothing scandalous. I don't want to give that impression, but just maybe his views towards certain things and people can probably piece it together in the year we're in on some things. He's, there's been some things out there uh, regarding him and his family views on some things. So I think that has probably hurt his impressions on some Louisville fans. But at the same time, even I think contemplating the <laughs> idea of in that series, uh, would not play well, I don't think, the fan base, especially because you're in a spot where, like, for the last, I don't know, 12, 10, 12 years, something like that. Basically, ever since Cal's been there, it's been a very, very one-sided rivalry in favor of Kentucky. And um, I don't think – I don't know. I, I have a hard time thinking Mac doesn't want to play that game. I hope he doesn't view this as a, as a case. and. I couldn't tell, Sean, if that was like kind of a shot that Calipari had. Do you think that's what that was, or he was kind of saying, I hope that they aren't trying to get out of the series, uh, more I, or less, is what he said. I think it was Cal claiming his territory. I really do. I think that you know, the dominance in that series, I think that was him uh, putting that statement out. And here is Cal the full statement. Want, no, he doesn't want to lose that win every year. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't want to lose that win. Uh, but here is the full statement, and it was uh, via the Courier-Journal. Uh, Chris and I have talked, and he expressed his concerns. While I understand the difficulty and the complications created by the pandemic, we are prepared to come to Louisville to play the season under the previously agreed-upon terms, and we fully expect Louisville to honor the agreement with a return game to Rupp Arena next season. Okay, that's the first half, Derek. That's John Calipari not playing around. And yeah. then we are contracted to play Notre Dame and a Big 12 opponent for the SEC Big 12 Challenge in Rupp Arena this season, and we are honoring those contracts even if it is with little or no fans. It is no one's fault we are in a pandemic. We cannot predict the future with this virus, whether that's this December or next December. My hope is they are not trying to end this series because it is important for the state that we play. Okay, that when you read the bottom half of that, 
Cal comes back in and he he says, look, we're not changing anything, even though we might have to play in these conditions without fans. And then the hole at the end, they hope he hopes they don't in the series. For for Cal to say that though, makes me believe that there's something there that it possibly could end. Because why else would he say that? Yeah, or that's the impression he got from Chris Mack when he talked to him. Is yeah. that maybe they're? I, I'm actually. Um, I think you listeners who either have listened enough or you will figure it out. I, uh, I wouldn't say critical, but uh, I don't typically just tell the line of the UK basketball machine. I kind of have my own thoughts on it. But I'm, I'm actually siding with, with Cal on this because every team is going to have to just deal with stuff this year. I mean, everyone's going to have to just take it for what it is. And I, I totally get it. Yeah, it sucks if you're Louisville. And just this past year you had to go into Rep Arena and – probably I covered every home game last year. Yeah, that was by far the best home atmosphere last season was a Louisville game. And for most years, it probably is. I mean, you had the year like a couple years ago where Tennessee was number one, and uh, which Louisville didn't play at UK that year. But you can still get some big-time atmospheres and some SEC games. But, no, Louisville year in and year out, whenever they come to Rupp Arena, is, is typically one of the best atmospheres. And you fast-forward to this season, you're probably going to have to play UK without your home support there. And I get that. That's not – Ideal. It's not really what you want, but to move the series, I don't know. Like contractually, I've not read the contracts. I'm sure there's nothing in there though about a pandemic, and I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of on Cal's side with this. Like it sucks, but at some point, whether it be like I said, I don't even think 2021. I don't think it's going to be back to completely normal. Like I don't think you're going to have a sold out capacity crowd in Rupp Arena. Like yeah, at that point, you'd probably hope that it would be more than whatever it's going to be this season. But I don't know. It would be really disappointing, though, if they aren't able. I mean, they're going to be able to work it out. They're not going to go without a – I mean, you're going to get the state – you're going to get the government involved with this. Isn't isn't that how it came about for the football series? Like, like the governor, like, wanted it to be played or whatever back in the 90s? So, I mean, sounds, it's uh, – Sounds to me like Chris Mack knows, honestly, that this is – I mean, sure – I don't know if – maybe this isn't the best thing to say, but it sounds to me like he knows he needs the fans in attendance there if he wants to beat Kentucky. That's that's the way that I take it. And, or is, I mean, his, look, is his stance that he just doesn't want to play any, like, home home and away? Like, what's his – Yeah, because he, he threw out the neutral court that they would do that. But I guess, like Cal said, even – Okay, hear me out on this. Wouldn't he still have a better – case of playing, like at least you're still in your home court, even if you don't have fans. You just want to go somewhere neutral where and neither team's played? I mean, Here's the thing. I mean, there's only going to be like five or six games that Kentucky's played before that game's played. And it's, I mean, wouldn't you want to play this Kentucky team as young as they are on your home court? I, regardless, I mean, that's the the thing that I get, though, from Cal. I mean, we'll just play it and just, I mean, who cares? Like, I don't know. Like, it's very interesting to see that this is a topic and stuff. I I just assumed that that rivalry would just be played. I've never – when Rick Pitino was there, sure, there was a lot of storylines, but I don't think at any point, did, even with the losing, did he ever consider not playing Kentucky at any. But, I mean, times are different well, now. Just to sum it up on my end, and please tell me what you think. Like, what I can't figure out is you would think if anyone in this would be complaining, it would be Kentucky, right, that they're the ones that have to go – or sorry, like I, I just don't understand what Max, like his worry sounds like it's already for next season when he doesn't even know what it's going to be like next season. Yeah. If his main complaint is that, you know, 
I guess it's just because it lined up this year. Like, I don't know. What would his stance have been had Louisville played at home last year and then he would have been going on the road to play against an empty UK, uh, UK and an empty Rupp Arena? Would he have still been okay with it? That's what I can't figure out. And, and, what, and what happens – I mean, this is a completely different side of this, but what happens with the football series? Like, does Kentucky go to Louisville next season or does Louisville come to Kroger Field? where there is no game this year with, with that contract. Okay, they? that is more of a legitimate gripe, I think, for Louisville. I think so, too. To have. If but, it can't be played. Yes, if you're in a spot where basically UK plays back-to-back home series. I, I think, uh, well, I guess you, I guess for UK's in, for Louisville's in, I guess would a lot of it depend well, on how many games do they have that are home games next season anyway for Kentucky. Hear me out on this part, too, because this is this has popped in my head just now. So he's mentioned neutral court, right? Yes. What's the difference? There's no fans on this neutral court. That's, that's what I'm. That's what I was like, trying to say. Like at least like, you'd still be at home. You would have your home arena, like where you're familiar with, versus playing a team. Exactly. Teams, you know, and and if if and if fans and playing in the Yum Center is the main thing, like if if you're wanting the advantage there and you feel like it's a disadvantage when you go to Kentucky the next year, you're forfeiting that idea when you say let's play on a neutral floor. Like, what are you even arguing? Like, there's nothing to even argue about it. So did he want to play on neutral floor this year and next year and then just pick back up the following year at Louisville? Is that, I guess, where it would be? It'd be at Louisville? I'm not sure. Uh, let, me, let me see here if I can find exactly I, I want to go make this point quote. to you, Sean, and I think, you're, I think you would agree with me. This is not what we had. In, like, obviously, this is, like, news from today. When we were planning our schedule, like, all of it today was going to be basically focused on football. But – you know, any other opponent, and this was happening, I don't think it would really be that noteworthy, but that it's Louisville and that it's kind of the first, it's really the first kind of beef between Cal and Chris Mack. I mean, there was plenty with Rick Patino when he was at Louisville and Cal was at UK, but now this is kind of the first time that uh, maybe things haven't been so cordial between the two basketball programs. And he did say in that quote to the crew or on the podcast the other day, he said, but I recognize, and we recognize, man, the best rivalry. I know I'm biased in all of college basketball. If there was somehow we could do this at a neutral site, again, that's without talking to Kentucky and what their scheduling holds. I'm just, I'm reading that as just a neutral site for this year. But what's the difference if you go to a neutral site? You're, there is no advantage for you then. But at least if you're playing in your own building, you have somewhat of an advantage. Uh, arguably a significant one. That's the gym that you practice in. Yeah, I'm having a hard time figuring out what has, I don't think Louisville's AD is even really saying anything about this. Of course, their AD is a UK grad, but I don't. My guess is it's going to end up just being played at Louisville this year and back at UK next year, and they'll just yeah agree to that. But dude, you've seen Cal can be pretty stingy when it comes to scheduling. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> he doesn't can. really. Uh, he's not played Indiana since, like he said he wouldn't, and. Uh, you know, some of his scheduling maybe doesn't make total sense to me, like saying Maui's too far away, but then he scheduled a trip to Europe. It's supposed to have been this year. So. It's not too far away this year if they're playing in Asheville. So no. Maybe maybe if he got told it was been played on the mainland, maybe he would he join in that class. But we had to address this in the opening of the show just because it was such a big topic. I'd rather get to it now than have to get to it next week. Yeah. Uh, but we are going to take a quick break, Derek, and when we come back, it is all Kentucky Auburn. That is all we're going to talk about. So we got a yep in the SEC. We got a huge matchup in the SEC tomorrow. We'll be back to preview number twenty three Kentucky at number eight Auburn. You're listening to Kentucky Daily.
Call Bryant Law, 261-7381. This is attorney Jeremy Bryant. Have you been injured at work in the last 24 months? Contact Bryant Law. We want you to understand that every dime an insurance company keeps from you is another one they keep in their pocket. You're entitled to just compensation. So don't let the insurance company tell you what's proper. After all, you're the one who has been injured on the job. I'll evaluate your case and tell you the truth. Call Bryant Law in Corbin and get what you deserve. Visit online at jeremybryantlaw.com. Welcome back to Kentucky Daily. Uh, Derek, you mentioned this in the opening of the show. We're we're almost to kick off. We're less than 24 hours uh, by this time. So it's 2.08 Eastern time as we're recording this right now. The game would most likely be in the third quarter right now, probably maybe even the fourth quarter. Um, we gave our predictions on another podcast last night. But – Let's go ahead and give them for the listeners of Kentucky Daily. I'll start with you, and then we can break some things down. So how do you see this game playing out? It is the best game in the SEC. It is the best game in college football tomorrow, and I think we're going to be in store for a very, very solid football game at Auburn tomorrow. Yeah, first off, we went on the Cat Skin podcast last night with uh, Kalen Harris, Travis Graff, and Burke Garner, and uh, I had a great time. time. It was very fun. It was it was. Uh, a lot of talk about UK, a lot of talk about this game. And as a matter of fact, I predicted my score on that one, and I can't remember what I said exactly. So this, this one might be different than one uh, <laughs> the prediction I had yesterday. But I'm going to say UK 24-21. And uh, just to expand on why, um, I just really feel like for the question marks, that, and I see a lot of, I think the thought out of Auburn, at least from their media and probably from the coaching staff there, is that they just have more talent than Kentucky, and they, they probably do, to be honest. Like, top to bottom, yeah. I would guess by the end of the season you would look back and say Auburn had some had some better players. But I would not overlook how much they've been affected by the pandemic and how little they've been able to practice at times, especially some, some position groups, some important position groups. I like Kentucky up front. Um so I said Kentucky twenty four twenty one. I uh, I, thought, I truly feel like they uh, you know the line is seven and a half right in Auburn's favor. Um, yeah. I'd probably take that plus seven and a half if I were betting on it. But uh, either way, I think it's going to be a really good game. I hope that it lives up to to the high because one college football I think needs a really good game. Miami and uh, Louisville last week was okay, but Miami ended up blowing them out pretty much. There just haven't been very many competitive games, and I'm hoping that with the SEC slate coming that you'll have some more competitive, really good matchups. And I think Kentucky's had a chance right off the start of the day to to kind of be the talk of the day. Yeah, that's the, that's the advantage to having it at noon. You mentioned this a few weeks ago. If Kentucky wins this game, it's getting talked about at halftime of the CBS game. It's getting talked about at halftime of the 7 o'clock nightcap games, the national networks. They're going to be talking about this because a top-10 team would fall. And even though you can't really put a ton of weight into the rankings right now, Derek, if Kentucky wins this game, there is no threat, I think, to them falling out of the AP Top 25. It's, this would be a top-10 victory on the road at Auburn, a team that they've only beaten once, I think, since 1966 maybe. I'm not sure. But I know the only win was down there. In 2009, I think, when uh, Randall Cobb, I think they had three different quarterbacks score rushing touchdowns that night, yeah, Newton, if I'm not mistaken. 
Wow. So it was uh, definitely, but I think this matchup could be just as, ex- it's wild though that that's their first matchup back back there since 2009. They played twice at Kroger Field in that time frame, but uh, I'm going Kentucky 20 to 17. And like I said last night, my MVP, it's going to be a little different than what people, I mean, most people would probably pick a running back, pick a quarterback, pick a defensive player. I'm going Max Duffy. Uh, the reason I'm going Max Duffy is because I think out of everything other than the offensive line, Derek, and the ground game, the other one consistent thing that you know you're getting is you're getting good special teams play from Max Duffy. He's going to flip the field. Uh, we've seen in the past that he can be a threat to take off and run, and given the first game of the year, there's not a ton of film on people. You don't know exactly what's going to happen. Uh, you could see him maybe get one with his legs there, but – in a game where it's going to be sloppy, you're going to have those early season mistakes, I think that flipping the field and winning the battle of field position is going to be vital, and I think that Max could put Kentucky's, you know, keep Kentucky's offense in good positions and maybe give their defense a good field to work with too. Yeah, and I don't think we made a mention of this yesterday, but Cole Kublik on that episode, if you haven't listened to it, please do. It's very good information, but he – he had a full list of stats of the special teams play and kind of how many miscues there have already been. And that uh, that really might be a big deal too, Sean, and not to look too forward out, but if things maybe don't go so well for some reason for UK on special teams, uh, are there going to be calls for uh, people wondering why in the world Mark Stoops did not hire a special teams coordinator? Like, to me, that becomes a situation where if you have some miscues this year, people like probably going to be hiring one <laughs> next offseason. season. <laughs> Things don't go well. Yeah, uh, I think you're you're spot on with that. But I do think, Derek, I remember one bad punt last season for Max, and it was in, in the weather at Georgia, and it came off the side of his foot. He didn't and, have a great bowl game either. It wasn't awful, but it wasn't really his standard of what he had been up to. But, yes, I know what you're talking about at Georgia. But. And and I, that was correct. Kentucky has beaten Auburn one time since 1966. So here in about 2000 and, uh, what, 43, when they go back there again next time, it'll be uh, – no, it'll probably be another 10 years, though, at least. We'll be grizzled old men by the time that uh, Kentucky and Auburn play again down there. Auburn has won 17 of the last 18 games in this series. I mean, this is uh, – this this it's not the Tennessee series, you know, where Kentucky's only won two because these, these, te- these two teams don't play the same number of times. They don't play every year. But this is a win, Derek, that if Mark Stoops can get it, it's another check off the list. You beat a program in Auburn who has – they're an SEC football power. When they're good, they're really good. And when – I mean, they've had their down years. They've had their bad years. Uh, I guess Malzahn's been on the hot seat and off the hot seat so many Mm -hmm. times that it's kind of wild to think that he's still there, honestly. But that's what you get with Auburn. You get those expectations. You get those fans. Those are the programs you want to beat. And this is a very different Kentucky football program from the last time that these two teams played back in 2015. Um, and unless they played in 1977, I think was UK's really good year in the 70s. I mean, unless they played that year, this is going to be the best Kentucky team that Auburn's faced in a long time. And uh, those numbers don't surprise me just because it's really over the last five years that Kentucky's really made a commitment to building this football program up to the potential that it has. And, um, I just think there are going to be some Auburn fans that are surprised tomorrow. Not, that's not to say, like, yes, I pick Kentucky to win, but even if they don't win, Kentucky that is, like, I think they still have a chance to earn some respect tomorrow, if that makes sense. 
I agree with that. I think it makes perfect sense. But also, too, I, I just think that this is a this is another one of those games where you can prove. I mean, it's the SEC West in recent years, Derek. They've been the the side of the conference that's been getting a lot of love, and rightfully so. When you have Alabama winning titles, Auburn's played in national championships. They won one this last decade. Uh, you got LSU reigning national champions. Mississippi State's been ranked number one. That's been the side of the conference that's dominated for the last 10 years or so. And now you get a chance to go and win a – it's one of the four top ten teams they'll play there. I mean, it's, it's a huge matchup. It is. It's a, it's a big deal. And I really do think that of all the teams – I mean, yes, Kentucky could open with Missouri or Vandy or even either of these Mississippi schools. And I think most people would be predicting a win. But it's a really good way to make a statement right off the bat. And you catch Auburn. Auburn maybe more than any other team that I'm thinking of on the schedule. Like, you expect that – and it's not always the case, but, like, just natural projection – you would think as the year goes on that teams will get better, but we do know that that doesn't always happen. Some teams early. Um But Auburn especially, just all the question marks they have and how most of those um, question marks line up with UK's strengths. I think it's a really good time to get these guys, and uh, I think UK's going to win tomorrow. I really do. I do too. I, I really think that they'll they'll win that game. But let's go ahead and dive into the SEC slate. We're going to do this every single week. We're not – we might – look at some national games if some are there as we go throughout the season. But I think it would be good to make our weekly predictions on the SEC. And you people that listen to Kentucky Daily, send us your picks. When you hear this podcast, send me the picks. Tweet them to me, tweet them to Derek, DM them to me. Be like, hey, I'm, I want to play in on this little game too. Derek, we'll keep our record as we go throughout the season. We'll do like oh. a weekly recap. Uh, if it's anything like uh, if it's anything like we do on the football podcast with Stephen Johnson, Alex Montgomery, uh, you should out. We should both outperform Alex because he he goes crazy with some of his predictions. But let's start with I think the second most intriguing game in the SEC: Florida, number five, Florida at Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin makes his debut as the head coach at Ole Miss. Returns to the SEC after one year at Tennessee. I think now ten or eleven years ago. That's an interesting matchup right off the right off the gate there. So are we picking scores or are we just picking winners? Just picking winners. Florida. <laughs> Same. I'm going Florida, but I I wouldn't be surprised if this is a if this is a game in the second half. Just Maybe. because it's early, and I think it's unfortunate that, uh, that this game's at the same time as UK. I would have liked to have watched a little bit of this. How, how big is it? How big is it though that I think this is where the all the SEC schedule helps. Uh, typically, on a year like with this schedule this year, Kentucky wouldn't have had much tape on Florida going into that second matchup. They'd to you know really have a lot but you're getting film on Ole Miss against the team that against Florida they're going to pull out all the stops to try to win these SEC games Mm -hmm. Eric you're going to have really good game film to break down the following day or the following week it is good because like you said Ole Miss has new schemes on both sides of the ball and uh Florida will have to prepare just by watching some of Lane's old things and I don't know who Lane Kiffin hired to be the defensive coordinator down there to be honest with you but um either way Florida's talent should be much, much better than Ole Miss. I think a lot of those kids at Ole Miss committed some NCAA violations to get. I think a lot of those kids are gone by now. Although they still do have some talented kids, uh, for sure. I, I don't know where they are in the team composite rankings, but Matt Corral was a uh, All-American in high school, and they have a five-star running back. Um, and John Reese Plumley, if he does play, he's exciting too. So 
Yeah. We'll talk more about Ole Miss next week, though. But, yeah, I'll take Florida. I'll take Florida in that one as well. So now moving through Kentucky-Auburn's at noon as well. We've already picked that one. So let's get to the 3.30 CBS kickoff. That's Mississippi State and Mike Leach at number six LSU. I'm going to go LSU in that one. I think it could be closer than maybe people think, given everything that LSU's lost. I think they have certainly have some question marks there, but I still feel like the talent and then being at home, I feel like that's going to be way too much. Yeah, totally agree with you. I'll take LSU. Um, if LSU rolls in that game, I think I've been under the impression that LSU is going to take a a decent size step back. And of course, you're talking about the defending national champs. So I mean, it doesn't take much for this season to be considered a step back whenever you reach the pinnacle last year. But I've I've felt like honestly, LSU might only be like a seven win type team. So if they come out and look much better than that tomorrow, it is Mississippi State. Who I don't think is going to have that great of a season. But with everything that LSU lost, if they can come out and flicker off the bat, then, yeah, I might be more in favor of them potentially being one of those teams that can win the West again. And then moving on, the 4 o'clock SEC Network game, number four Georgia at Arkansas. you got Felipe Franks there as quarterback at Arkansas, uh, familiar with the SEC. Probably their quarterback situation is probably more secure than what we're – I don't know what we'll see with Georgia. I mean, it's going to be new uh, – but I still don't think Arkansas has enough. I think Georgia wins this game by at least three touchdowns. Sean, I'll go ahead and say it. This slate kind of sucks tomorrow. Uh, outside of Kentucky-Auburn, um, this game won't even be close, I don't think. If it's close, then Georgia's got really big issues. So, yeah, Georgia's going to win this one, I'd say, pretty easily. And, and then the next two, let's just go ahead and – I don't know how much time we need to spend on this. It's number two, Alabama-Missouri. Alabama's going to roll in that one, in my yep. opinion. And then Vandy at Texas A&M. I think Texas A&M rolls in that one as well. Vanderbilt's not winning a game this year. No, but you mentioned how this slate isn't very good, and it's not. And I mentioned too early that Florida Ole Miss is an intriguing matchup, and it's because of Lane Kiffin and some of the schemes and things that they do that I think that that matchup could be entertaining. But after Kentucky-Auburn, I honestly think the second-best matchup of the day, and as far as competitive with a score, I think Tennessee at South Carolina could be a very good football game if you're wanting to watch a close game. Tennessee, I think, opened as a three-point favorite on the road in Columbia. I'm actually going South Carolina to win this game. I'm not a I'm not a big fan. I don't really believe in Will Muschamp a, a lot, but I know that Tennessee has had their struggles early in the season. They've had some issues with uh, COVID during fall camp. I had 40 guys out for one scrimmage. So I'm looking at this, Derek. I think South, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking South Carolina finds a way to win this at home. Yeah, I think this is definitely the toughest game to pick out of all the ones we've just gone through. Uh, no question about it. Um, I'm gonna take Tennessee just because uh, this will be the this will be the different game that we pick between each other. So one of us will have the leg up on the other after this week. Uh, and I, Tennessee, I think, is more talented for sure than South Carolina. If you guys get a chance, uh, I was actually texting with my buddy today who covers South Carolina. Let me pull up this text real quick. This is the uh, the first depth chart that came out for South Carolina. This is their wide receiver depth chart. This is who it's made up of. Their wide receiver two deep is made up of two quarterbacks, two freshmen, and one player with more than 20 career catches. Outside of Vanderbilt, South Carolina might have the worst wide receiver group in the conference, at least at this point. So... They're also starting a kid at quarterback who came from Colorado State with Mike Bobo. So he's going to know the offense. He sounds like the just prototypical game manager. 
I think this is going to be a pretty ugly game. I wouldn't expect it to be too clean, but I, I do think Tennessee finds a way in the end to uh, to win this one. I think uh, South Carolina wins that game, but I could see Tennessee winning that game too. I, I do think that that will be a solid football game. It usually is, honestly, especially yep. when it's played in Columbia. It's a, it's a very good game, and it, it's one that Will Muschamp needs early. I guess you could argue the same side that Jeremy Pruitt needs it too because we know how that fan base is, Derek. If they lose the game early, they're going to flip out, even in yeah. a year like this. He got an extension uh, yesterday. Yeah, he did. So you, you better follow that up with a win. Uh, I just I don't know how many storylines we're going to get out of the SEC from week one, though. I think that maybe um, the following weekends when you start getting some more, you'll get a better feel of where these teams are, but uh, it's going to be interesting this, to follow. Yeah, I have this pulled up for the next week, and it is, it's it's better because you have Auburn and Georgia playing. That's the obvious game. Uh, then you get Florida and South Carolina. Um, but the only other game probably that's intriguing is Alabama and Texas A&M. So it's still not great, but it's definitely going to be better than what you see this weekend. Yeah, and we'll close this uh, with a quote from DeAndre Square. He's going to be wearing uh, Chris Oates' number 22 jersey to, tomorrow during the Auburn game. I am honored to be the first player to wear number 22, Square said. Chris is my best friend on the team, and wearing number 22 will hopefully let him and everyone else know that he's always with us and he's going to be with us this whole season. I know he's fighting and grinding every day to get better so he can come back to Kentucky. So our continued thoughts and prayers are with Chris Oates and his family as he continues to battle his way through a medical emergency that he suffered in May of 2020. Uh, But, Derek, this has been another episode of Kentucky Daily. It's finally game day here coming up pretty soon, and we will be back with a recap of what happens on the Plains tomorrow, and then we'll see you next week as well. Have a great weekend. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.